Well, greetings, friends. It's good to be with you once again on our Wednesday Bible classes. And uh, may the Lord richly bless you. Uh, it's good to have you with us, um, wherever it is that you may be finding us at this particular time. Our desire through these classes is simply to share Christ and to share Christ in a living, indwelling reality. And to do that with the body of the Lord Jesus Christ throughout his body and around the world. And we're, we're just rejoicing that we are with you at this particular time. We're talking about the reality of being in Christ. And what that means concerning our union with him. You know, these are classes are live because my phone just went off. We won't worry about that. I'll turn it off and set it over here out of the way. Maybe that won't happen again. Our union with Christ. There, now then. Our union with Christ. What was on my heart today in this class is just to stress the person. There's no way that we can have true union, union of fellowship, called into the fellowship of his son. Uh, Paul starts out his letter, 1 Corinthians, called into the fellowship of his son. And what we're talking about is a fellowship with Christ. Now, we have that fellowship one with another, but the basis of it, the foundation of it, the, the reality of it, is our fellowship with Christ. And we have fellowship with him through our union with him, and we have fellowship one with another through our corporate union with him as well. But I wanted to talk with you about the person, the person of this of this reality, hon, Christianity is not in fact, it is not in spirit, it is not in truth, a religion. Christianity is Christ. And when we say that, 
Amen. It is founded in the person of Christ. Our, our salvation, our redemption, our life is Christ himself. But not Christ as being far away, as though we're in one realm and he is in another. As though he is in one world and we're in another world. All of this comes, this separation, this separation comes to its end by the cross. Through his death, burial, and resurrection, bringing into itself his ascension. And on the basis of that ascension, on the basis of him entering into heaven itself, on the basis of him being received of the Father, you and I being accepted in the beloved. Now, this is what we want to look at. Our being accepted of God, received of God in his Son. So it becomes, Christianity becomes a very personal thing now, very personal thing. But it is a very personal thing because it is about the person of Christ himself and our union, our union with him. So let's just continue. But that's the basis that is upon my heart right now. Our union with him. That's what it really means to be in Christ. We've said that many times that throughout the New Testament and largely in the epistles themselves of John, of Paul, of Peter, the term in Christ, in Christ. And you can find that term as in whom, but that's always talking about Christ. In him, again, always talking about Christ. But that term is there. And the word in there is a term of relationship. 
uh, in the scriptures. That's what it, it's a term of relationship. And it is a reality that is based upon the very spirit of Christ himself dwelling, living in our very soul. For three and a half years, the Lord walked with 12 that were called his disciples. Now, he was among Israel. He was among Israel every day. And in many cases, he was among multitudes. And, and, you, and in other cases, he was in the temple. But for three and a half years, he was in very close relation with these 12 disciples. You know that. They were with him continually. And he would pull them away from time to time and speak only unto them. And I want to read to you again in John 14 because this is what he has done there only a few days before going to the cross. And declare to them a fellowship and a relationship into which he would bring them. And the way he would bring them into it is by coming and living in them by his spirit. Something he could not do for those three and a half years. He couldn't do it for all of the 30 years that he was uh, lived on earth. But for those three and a half years from his baptism on to the cross, he could not bring them into this relationship, could not bring them into this fellowship, but he spoke to them concerning this relationship and fellowship and salvation on a continual basis. And the closer he got to the time of the cross, the more openly he spoke to them about this very thing. And in John 14, I want to read again with you. And then, then we're going to look at that. John 14, Jesus tells them, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And and what that says very simply, without us spending an hour on that one verse, is that you believe in God in the same way, to the same measure, believe in me. Believe in me. He will go on to say, he'll go on to say, I am in the Father and the Father in me. Verse 10, he's asking them a question. The words that I speak to you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. 
Verse 11, believe in me that I am in the Father and the Father in me. And that seems to be important to him at that time. And the reason is he is, he is speaking them to them of a relationship into which he will bring them. And if, if you'll notice here, just look at this. Uh, he isn't talking to them about leaving them with a religion. That's not what he's talking to them about here. He's not talking to them about coming from one religion uh, to another religion. And in this particular place, he's not talking to them really concerning one covenant to another covenant, though it amounts to that. He is talking to them about a very personal union, one in which at this particular time that John 14 is relating to at this particular time before the cross that they simply cannot have with him nor can he have with them but he is showing to them and speaking to them that this is the very reason for which I am come. And so he says in my father's house there are many mansions and He is here talking about abodes. The term mansion, as you know, is places of abode. Places of abode. That, that, goes, back, that goes back to, to Exodus 15, verse 17. Thou shalt bring them in. This is the prophecy of Moses. Actually, it's the song of Moses after they crossed the Red Sea. And relates to the fact that the deliverance, the deliverance that they have just experienced was not really in purpose to just be out of Egypt. There was something more to this relationship that they were being, uh, that even in the, in the natural there, that they were having. They, uh, Moses is the one who was told of God to tell them that I am have sent you. And I hope, I hope you can hear what I'm trying to say because he was bringing them from uh, from an understanding of just being Jews, being Hebrews, 
being a particular kind of people there in Egypt, and he was going to bring them out and separate them from Egypt. Uh, and he was doing all of that. But, it, but the whole emphasis, Moses said, what am I supposed to tell them? And who shall I tell them has sent me to them? And he said, you tell them that I am have sent you. And it was a name that he did not, that he didn't use with Abraham, Isaac, or Jacob. But he used that name with Moses in relating himself to Moses and what would become known as the children of Israel. That it was a personal relationship. And if you'll remember when Jesus came, he picked up right there as well. He said the same thing. I am the way, the truth, the life. And there's a great deal of difference in him saying that than it would be if he said, well, I'm come to show you a way. And I'm come to teach you about truth. And I am come to teach you and instruct you in, in life. Rather, he said, I am the way, the truth, the life. That's back here in John 14, where we'll return in just a moment. But all of what he was doing there was bringing them into the reality of what Moses actually talked to them about. The greater than Moses had come. He'd already told the Jews, before Abraham was, I am. He had also said that he was the greater than Solomon and that he was the greater than the temple. He had already said that to Israel at large. But now with the disciples, he's using this term, I am. I am in my Father, my Father is in me. Because the time has come, not for a, a deliverance out of Egypt, but for a, a translating into the very kingdom of God himself. And here it is in verse 17 of Exodus 15. This is the end of the Song of Moses, or very close to the end of it, or right in the middle of it, I guess. Thou shalt bring them in. Now notice this, because this, this is about what God is doing. And what his purpose is. Remember, remember he starts out in my father's house. And the word here is household. In my father's family. In my father's household. Many dwelling 
places. And, and if this weren't true, then I wouldn't tell you that it was true. If this were not so, I would have told you that it wasn't so. I go to prepare a place for you. In verse 17 of Exodus, verse 17 of Exodus, thou shalt bring them in, plant them in the mountain of thine inheritance, in the place, O Lord, which thou hast made for thee, for thyself, to dwell in. In the sanctuary, O Lord, which thy hands have established. And the Lord shall reign forever and ever. Now, this is the relationship that Jesus has declared himself to be, I am the door. It is of this relationship, it is of this reality, it is into this household, this place, that he has declared himself to be the door and, and the way, the truth, the life. In verse 6 of John 14, no man cometh unto, now see, we could say here, well, we really can't, but it, 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 he could have said here, if he weren't talking about this personal relationship, he, he, he could have said, no man cometh unto Well, a place. No man cometh to... He could have used the word heaven here. And he has used the word. He did use the word heaven. Paul did. But it has nothing to do with me being in a place and Christ being in the same place, or Christ being in one place and me being in the same place. What he's talking about here is a union presenting himself as the place, and he is the door into that place, and it is in him that we do dwell. See, it, 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 it's all a very personal, yet a very eternal relationship. And it is the fulfillment of the prophecy of Moses. Because here's the greater prophet. The prophet likened to Moses. The prophet greater than Moses. 
Moses being contended, con, uh, commended by the Hebrew writer who is writing primarily to the Hebrews and to many of the Christian Jews and so forth. And how that Moses was a faithful servant in his own house. But then, but Christ the Son over his house whose house you now are. Hebrew writer saying that. Jesus is saying the same thing here. If we could just, and all I want to do is talk with you about it today. If we could just get our minds, our our hearts that he isn't talking about mansions somewhere in the wild blue yonder or in any other yonder. He's not talking about a bunch of houses in a city, all of which are separate from himself. Even though, even though, uh, not just a city where, where he lives and we live and we all live there together. No, that isn't what is being taught in the scripture and certainly it is not being taught here by the Lord Jesus. And I want you to look at these verses because of, because of, the, because of the emphasis he makes here. I'm in my Father, my Father's in me. Over and over he says that. And the Father's house is actually a household. Those who are born of one seed, those who are born of the seed of God, they are the household of God. And the seed of God is Christ himself who dwells in you. He's bringing us, hon, has brought us, is bringing us to the reality of a relationship. A fellowship, a union with himself of which there are countless types and shadows given in the Old Testament. Canaan itself being one of those types and shadows, but even more so, the tabernacle of Moses. And more than that, the temple of Solomon. But these are types. These are shadows. Even Israel itself was created of God, called out of God, gathered up of God as a type and shadow of a reality that was yet to come. Not simply a type and shadow of a reality that was yet to come to Israel. Israel itself was a type and shadow that was yet to come. And has now come in Christ. From the time of the cross, from the time of the cross, these things have been fulfilled in Christ. His death was necessary to it. His burial. Certainly his resurrection. His ascension. As the son presenting himself to the father. As the finished work. 
of our salvation and of the Father's purpose and plan and will. So the ascension was essential to our union with Christ. He first presents himself to the Father as the completion of all that the Father hath given him to do. And then his return, his coming again, his coming anew, of which he speaks here in this 14th chapter. And I want us to look at that because, hon, that is the means whereby we are in Christ. The foundation of that very reality is the person of Christ in you. And we're going to read that verse in just a moment, but I want to read more than just that verse. So we're talking about the reality. We're not talking about in Christ as some kind of a positional teaching or some kind of a... Uh, of a... Uh, a teaching that... Uh, is pointing toward uh, a greater place? No, it is the greater place. It is the greater place. Our union with Christ, our being in Christ. And I repeat some of these things again and again because we could do this for the next for the next 10, 15, 20 years, class by class, and never, never exhaust this reality of our union with the Lord Jesus, because it is our salvation. It is our redemption. It is it is our new and eternal state of being. Well, let me continue to read here. I've read in verse 17, but let's look at it here then. Let's just read through it. I go to prepare a place for you. The whole indication of these scriptures is that that's not anywhere or any place other than himself. It is a complete and absolute fulfillment, not only of verse 17 here in Exodus, but everything in its type and shadow Mount Zion, Jerusalem itself, all of that. It's a fulfillment of that. But it is, so, it is so pointedly spoken of here, coming out of Egypt, that the whole point of our salvation is not getting us out of any place in and of itself, but bringing us into something. And that something being Christ himself 
If I go and prepare a place for you, back in John 14, and if I go and prepare a place for you, same thing, in the mountain of thine inheritance, in the place, O Lord, which thou hast made for thyself to dwell in, in the sanctuary. And this was before they had a type of this sanctuary. This was before really a type of it, which was the Holy of Holies in the tabernacle of Moses, which had not been built at the time these prophecies, this prophecy was being given. They just barely were out of Egypt here. They didn't travel very far until God gave the pattern of this place so that it could be made according to the pattern so that it would be a testimony sure and true of that which would come in Christ himself. All right? And if I go prepare a place for you, I will come anew. I will come anew. I will come in newness. I will not come again in the same, I will not come again in flesh. I will come anew. I will not be born again of a virgin. I will come anew. And receive you unto myself. We've been reading this. We've been looking at that. Maritime, I've mentioned, I go and prepare myself a place for you. And you can do that without damaging that scripture at all. In fact, it is exactly how we should translate what he is saying. Not as mansions and houses and all of that, but as a household. All things gathered up into Christ, who is the seed of God himself. Receive you unto myself that, and there's a reason for this, you can see this in God's dealing with Israel in type and shadow over and over and over again. But here, it isn't another type and shadow. Here it's not Jesus talking about something with them that is way in the future. Why in the, he's about to go to the cross. He's just a few days, if, if even that, away from the cross. Right here. So he's not talking about something 2,000 years later. Now we're sitting here right now 2,000 years 
after he said this, is it not yet fulfilled? I mean, come on, hon. And receive you unto myself that where I am. The word there has been added and should not have been added. It's in italics even in the King James Bible. That where I am, ye may be also. Now, I'm going to come back there, but I want to just turn with you to the 17th chapter of John because all of this is the same thing. All of this is Jesus, and it's at the same period of time. It's at the same thing. Part of it is where he is praying to the Father and and what he is saying to the Father, but it's the same thing. But notice this. Notice what we just read, that where I am, you may be also. Not where I am there, like I'm in one place and then you come to be in that same place. Well, he's the place. Receive you unto or into myself. That where I am, ye may be also. Chapter 17 of this same thing. Talking to his father, praying. Chapter 17, verse 21, he is praying that they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in you, that they also may be one, and he's talking about one body, one family, one household, one They may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in you, that they also may be one in us. That the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them. That they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, thou in me, that they may be made perfect, that is, complete, in one. Now, Paul says the same thing in Colossians. But I, I want to stay with this. And that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. Now here's the verse I'm after. Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am. That 
they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. Hun, Paul talks about this continually. Before the foundation of the world. How that it is there that God planned and purposed and chose and willed our being in Christ. Purposed the salvation that we have in Christ. Purposed the fellowship that we have in Christ. All of this before the foundation of the world. And this is the same thing that the Lord Jesus here is saying. That they may be with me. Beholding my glory. Which thou hast given me because thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. Now, back here to chapter 14. Receive you to myself that where I am you may be also. And Thomas asked, you know, he told him, he said, and whether I go, you know, and the way you know. And Thomas says, how in the world can we know? We know not whether thou goest. How can we know the way? And that's again where Jesus said, I am. I am. I will receive you unto myself. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. He had never before, in this way, with this emphasis, presented himself even to his disciples. All things were said that related to this, but now, hon, just before the cross, now he brings them the very purpose of it all. The purpose of him coming in the first. The purpose of him being there with them. The purpose of him going to the cross. And the purpose for which he would come anew. And it's from this reality of this that Christ is talking about that Paul says again and again, we are in him in whom we have redemption. If any man be in Christ, a new creation, 230 some odd times he refers to our union with Christ, being in Christ. Salvation not 
another belief system, not another place we think one day we will go if we do this, that, and the other. No, hon, salvation is Christ in you. And there's the whole point, darling. Christ either is in me or I am dead, 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 separated from God, dead in sin. Christ in you. And right after him saying that, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And the whole point here is not going to a place called this or called that. or No, no, there's a lot of types and shadows of that place. But all of those are speaking of a union with Christ himself. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Now, let's just, because I can't go verse by verse, but we'll go to verse 18. I will not leave you comfortless. I will not leave you without a household. I will not leave you without a father. I will not leave you fatherless. Now this, this is all what comfort, you can look it up in a good Bible dictionary, it means. See, it's the same thing that God set forth in a testimony in Israel. I didn't bring you out of Egypt to just scatter you around all over the world. Now, they have become scattered, but we won't go into that. That isn't, the, that isn't why God brought them out of Egypt, to just scatter them out. No. That's not the purpose at all, to bring them out of Egypt and now just leave them. And on God's part, that isn't what happened. Now, Israel continued to do this and that and, 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 and go into captivity and all kind of things, right on down through the Babylonian captivity. But, hun, and, and, and wander around in the wilderness and, and not enter into that where the Lord would have them to be. And they all died there. But, but that was not God's purpose for them. Christ is talking about purpose and showing himself to be the fulfillment of that purpose. I will not leave you comfortless. I, I will come to you. Yet a little while the world seeth me no more, but you see me because I live you shall live also. Now what is that? One day in the far distant future? Absolutely not. Why would it be? Why would it be? He's talking to his disciples who are going to be empowered by him dwelling in them by his spirit to preach that same gospel that he's declaring to them right now. And then verse 20, in that day, 
Not some distant day. This day where I will dwell in you. I will be your life. And you will live in me. This day. In that day. And hun, that day came very shortly thereafter. Because it was only 50 days until the feast of Pentecost would take place. Well, in that day you shall know. Number one. You'll know I'm in my Father. I am in my Father. You will know I am in my Father. Something's going to take place at that day. You will know that what I've been telling you is true. You will see what I've been telling you as the truth. You will know I am in my Father and you in me and I in you. Now, darling, that in a little small nutshell, but that is the reality of our being in Christ. The reality in that day you will know I am in my Father and you are in me and I am in you. And then John 15, 16, right over into 17, is about the same reality. Does this make me Christ? Certainly not. Does this make you or us Christ? No. It makes us Those in whom Christ lives. It makes us the body, the household of Christ. It makes us those who have Christ as our very state of being. It makes us a new creation in Christ. And it makes our salvation more than just a religion or a religious teaching. It is a divine relationship and fellowship in the household of God, in Christ Jesus. And this is the reality that we're talking about in these little sharings concerning the reality of being in Christ.
and the reality of it is the indwelling person of Christ himself. How many times do we find Paul talking, teaching, admonishing the church with regard to this reality that it is Christ in you. Christ liveth in you. That you are his body. The fullness of him who filleth all in all. It's about this household. A new creation. A new creation. The types and shadows are throughout all of the scripture. Search the scripture. Jesus tells the Jews, I know you do. I know you search the scripture. Or in them you think you have eternal life. They are they which testify of me. And you won't come to me that you might have life. Sweetheart, I just want you to understand that when we come to Christ, we're not coming to a religion. We're coming to a divine reality of the eternal Son of God Himself. And we, by that very eternal One, Christ Himself dwelling in us by His eternal Spirit, we are brought into an eternal reality of union. Union. Well, all right. The time is gone for this little session. And we'll come back to different things that we are talking about with regard to being in Christ. The administration of the fullness of times and a number of things that we want to look at. But I want you to know we're not talking about a religious theory. Nor are we talking about a time yet to come. Sweetheart, he who is the fullness of time is come and he now lives in you if you're born from above. And we, because he lives in us, ye shall live also. We live in him. Through a union with him that he is the very instrument of, the very substance of, the very reality of. 
we have a, a lesson here that we'll deal with that includes the term set your affection on things above. And I just simply want to show you at that time, that's not talking about above the clouds or above the planet. The true definition of the word above is found in Christ himself. He is that that is above, far above, far above all things. To set our affection on things above is to set our affections on Christ himself who dwells in us. So it's good to just share with regard to this reality and we'll continue to do it and just let the Lord gather into that reality that which he would show unto you and I who have a heart to know him. Because this is an abounding reality. We're talking about knowing Christ, not knowing that there is one, but knowing him. And that is an abounding reality. It is, in fact, an eternal reality. Hallelujah. So, may the Lord richly bless you. And feel free to communicate with us. Feel free to call. If you have questions, if you have comments, if you have something you'd like for us to deal with, uh, feel free to call or send an email or just write a letter. And for you who have been evidently led of the Lord to help us continue this outreach of this gospel throughout the Lord's body, which you're involved in right now, because this is the outreach that I'm talking about around the world. And we appreciate those of you who have supported that and do support that, may the Lord richly bless you for it. Because this is the thing that we do and shall, in His grace and direction, continue to do. And we just appreciate all who have been given of the Lord to help us with it. So again, I say just thank you. Thank you very much. And I emphasize if there's any way we can help you, you let us know. And don't, don't say, well, no, I don't know whether they would do that. Or not. Just, just let us know. We'd be glad to hear from you. Amen.